Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Clio Cast. My name is Matt, and I'm RC. And uh, welcome back. We took a uh, unplanned sabbatical. I told you, if we just don't mention it, then in like three months' time, the episode won't be the "Hey, they started it by mentioning how they were gone" because they just won't know we've been gone. Yeah, I mean, other than the time that we were gone for like what five months accidentally, where we just completely forgot we had this. You didn't forget we had it. We just, it, it's a sabbatical. We're allowed sabbaticals. Yeah. If teachers can have them, we can have them too, because we're teaching you. By just reading other people's articles on our podcast and adding commentary to it? Yes. So, we have some plans for an episode today. Right, RC? No. Uh-huh. Do we have plans? Okay. Well, I mean, we're doing an episode today, regardless. Uh, there has been some discourse about an 824 film that's coming out about oh, the yeah. Civil War or a second Civil War in the United States um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen the map but this is made by a person who doesn't understand American politics at all Alex Garland which I have seen some people argue that perhaps he is purposefully taking like a sci-fi approach to making the map just ridiculous so that you know it's not like political but it's like my guy you're making a civil war movie about like a recent like 2024 and we go into civil war or whatever and you're trying to not make a political if that's the case it just seems brain dead to me yeah i don't know but there's been some uh, riffs on it including uh this post that we found which is the former united states in 2030 which is listing uh, the West Coast as the Amazon Whole Foods government prime. Which, by the way, welcome to Clio History Reads Twitter on air. <laughs> All right, yeah, welcome. <laughs> uh, like the Nevada, Colorado, Arizona, Utah, Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming are the Western Albertsons nuclear exclusion zone. Uh, the Upper Midwest, Nebraska, the Dakotas, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan are the... Plura National Hy-Vee Club Meyer Confederacy. Yeah, I've never heard the word plural national before. I think it's plurinational, multinational. Multinational. Uh, Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, and West Virginia are the blessed union of the affiliated Kroger subsidiaries. This is really stretching your state knowledge. (laughs) It it is, especially since like they're you can't really see the borders very well. Uh, Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia, South Carolina, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida are the Democratic People's Republic, uh, People's Republics, like the, oh, is a pun here. Uh, Democratic People's Republic of Winn-Dixie. <laughs> uh, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi are the greater HEB Coast Prosperity Sphere. Uh, the Northeast is the most serene republic of Wawa and Wegmans. And then there is a Sheets Free State unrecognized in the middle of Pennsylvania. Yes. And we're going to not make commentary about the A24 film. We're going to talk about this because you're ignoring Quick Trip. Yeah, you're ignoring Quick Trip. If you're going to have Sheets, which is, I believe, a gas station. Yes. So is um, Wawa. And Wawa, which is a gas station, which is also in Florida. Yeah. Uh, how are you going to like ignore the best two gas stations in the United States, Casey's and Quick Trip? Not in that order. Yeah. Which, yep. Casey's is from Iowa and Quick Trip's from Oklahoma. 
Like, I, it, like the, I think there's more, like, definitely more Quick Trips, and Quick Trip has way more loyal employees compared to uh, HEB. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I have seen some like Quick Trip people, like employees, do some wild stuff. I think this is just coming from a coastal bias of, of course, our gas stations must be better. But it's like, my dude, you're forgetting that we drive a lot more than you do in the Midwest. Also, does Wegmans doesn't even go like there's a Wegmans in like there's a few Wegmans in New York, but it doesn't go all the way up to New England. Mm-hmm. Like it make more sense if there was like a shop right or a stop and shop. But then that ignores like the mid-Atlantic states, which is like. I don't know. It, it it's a harder region to define, in my argument. Uh, also, Kroger, I think owns Albertsons. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. I will quote you on that because I've shopped at an Albertsons before, and it's a Kroger affiliate. So why would Kroger not also control the Western Albertsons nuclear exclusion zone? I don't think they knew that Kroger uh, owned Albertsons. I'll I'll double check. That. I'll do a quick live fact check on that but i don't think they knew that but like i mean high V makes sense they're like weirdly cultish but like i don't know we this is a this is a weird hypothetical scenario do they own albertson's uh yeah they merged with albertson's in 2022 this chart might have been made before that but yeah kroger owns albertson's Publix is independent, though, right? Yeah, Publix is its own thing. Having also shopped in a Publix. Publix, uh, Winn-Dixie is its own thing. Um, I think Price Chopper in our area is also its own thing. I don't think it's owned by any other like larger conglomerate, and that's why there's only like three of them, whereas Dillon's is a Kroger affiliate, too. But Dillon's has basically been forced out of the Kansas City area. Yes. Because I can't think of a Dillon's. It, do, do they own Sunfresh? Or is Sunfresh also independent? They might own Sunfresh. Sunfresh might be the organic affiliate of Kroger because I know in Lawrence there's a Sunfresh and a Dillon's, so they might be like affiliate branches so they don't really compete with each other. There's a Sunfresh in Lawrence? Isn't there? Or am I thinking of like a co-op? You, right you, off of 6th Street? The, the, the Merck co-op? I might be thinking of the Merck co-op. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. Either way, uh, this map, which we'll probably retweet or something, because it's really fun to reference a map that none of you can see. In an audio medium, and then also have a deep conversation about grocery stores. Well, look, they're important things. You think about how much we go to grocery stores. Yeah, I mean, I go to my local Aldi all the time. Which, that's that's the sleeper in this map, is Aldi. Because Aldi's, I'm pretty sure, in most of the U.S., and I think a lot more people probably... I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar company, you know? Yeah. Also, if you're talking about, like, this, you're also not... You're ignoring, like, Minnesota-produced Target. Or the largest grocer in the United States, Walmart. I thought that was Dollar General. No, I think it's Walmart. Does Dollar General not count as a grocer? I mean, I think it does count as a grocer. I just think Walmart's larger. Here. I, I, All right. Another we, quick fact check. Uh, we're we're fact checking our Dollar General versus Walmart deal. All right. Got to fill the dead air, man. Largest Top purchases. ten grocers by FoodIndustry.com. Number one, Walmart.com. Read it and wait, baby. Number two is Kroger. Number three is Costco. Number four is Albertsons, which I guess is which, independent. Which is 
But when when was this posted though? Oh, they're still trying to complete their proposed merger. This is as of 2023, so they're not actually merged yet. Mm. If that merger happens, they'll still be behind Walmart though. <laughs> uh, number five is a hold de hazy, which is um, Dutch. I don't know. They own Stop and Shop. Oh, that that makes giant. Sense. Yeah, they, those are East Coast Hanford. brands. Yeah, I think there's a Hanford up in Maine, wasn't there? Uh, the Publix is number six. Number seven is H-E-B, which is the H-E Butt Grocery Co., apparently. That's what the B stands for. Uh, number eight is Amazon. Nine is Target. And ten is Meyer. So um, a thought that's running through my head is Costco, I feel like, could give Amazon Whole Foods a run for its money to take the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, right. Well, I think you just got that extra juice of Amazon being a local small business up there. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a small, just a small Seattle business. You got to shop local, man. Yeah, just like how Pizza Hut's a local Kansas small business. It just happens to have stores in other states and countries. And by the pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> One day we're going to get you the pizza pyramid. I need to go to, yeah, pizza pyramid. Mm-hmm. Go eat one while staring at the majestic tomb of the ancients. Yeah. Um. So, turns out the Luxor in Las Vegas is currently decorated like a big Dorito. I heard that recently. Speaking of pyramids. Why? I don't Are know. Are they trying to compete with a sphere? I did. I don't know, but a lot of Americans know about the uh, pyramid in Memphis, mm-hmm. which is the Bass Pro Pyramid. But a lot of people forget that Las Vegas also has a pyramid. I don't think that many people forget that. Really? I mean, it's a pretty famous hotel in one of the most popular vacation destinations in the United States. Okay, well, j- just ignore me. I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I just. I think a lot of people know about the Vegas Pyramid, right? Yeah, but but it's like a bigger bit on the internet of the Bass Pro Pyramid. Well, because I think it's more ridiculous that there's a Bass Pro Shops Pyramid, like Bass Pro Shops owns a pyramid in Memphis, than it is for Vegas, which is a place that also has Paris and New York to have a pyramid too. And it also has the sphere. Yeah, and it has the sphere now. And a lot of rectangles. I mean, yeah. Recta- uh, I mean, New York has a lot of rectangles too, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But New York doesn't also have a, a pyramid and a sphere. They just have the vessel, right? Yeah, the, the, the suicide vessel. Yeah. I need to visit that one, honestly. Yeah, you should. I mean, I think you have to pay and you aren't allowed to go up alone anymore, but... We finally have invented the uh, suicide booth from Futurama where you have to pay to get in. <laughs> but, but it's just a big... Just public art piece that the original designer didn't want people to kill themselves on. Yeah, it kind of hurts the old image if you uh, are responsible for the suicide building. Anyway, uh, a good building you could possibly kill yourself on, by the way, is uh, this developer in Oklahoma City are going to build a uh, skyscraper twice as tall as Devon Tower and developer's Bricktown plan. This is from, uh, what, the Oklahoma, the Oklahoman? The Oklahoman. Um, the Oklahoma man. Oh, yeah. Uh, Steve Lackmeyer of the Oklahoma man. California developer Scott 
Madison is dreaming big, very big, and is revising a long-range plan uh, for towers he wants to build in Lower Bricktown. Uh, his full vision, if realized, would include a 134-story apartment tower that would be twice the size of their 50-story Devon Energy Center. Matt's, Madison said he is serious about this vision, but knows the new plans might leave some people incredulous. Open quotes. I'm used to being told you can't do things, Madison told the Oklahoman, but I'm used to getting it done. Is this flowing into your plan? I was about to say, he's taking my plan. It's what I've wanted to do for years. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but I've always said, if I ever become like a billionaire like Jeff Bezos or whatever, I'm taking that money and I'm building a gigantic fuck-off tower in the middle of some like suburb somewhere. Like the tallest building in the world in like Prairie Village, Kansas or something. You know, it, it, It's more than twice the size of... Oklahoma City's tallest building. Yes, and it's if you look twenty feet shorter, twenty six feet shorter than the One World Trade Center. I desperately want this to be built, and I desperately want more cities to look at this. Okay, get, and build it, them. Get, can this fit the entire population of Oklahoma City in it? Probably not. It's, um, I think only like, it's like fifty, not fifty, hundred thirty four stories. I mean, if you assume like ten or twenty units to a story, yeah, no, it's not really, yeah, yeah, probably fit like. Maybe ten thousand if you're being generous, but also it's supposed to be like luxury and stuff. But anyways, this is, I've wanted to do this for years. I just need to get a couple hundred million dollars. Yeah, imagine like the Burj Khalifa too, but in like, like I don't know, name a suburb. Isn't like, it the Burj Khalifa? I have no idea, but put that in like Naperville somewhere, just like downtown St. Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Uh, I want it to be like the Citadel from Half-Life 2. Also, I'm looking at the renderings on this article, which obviously we will link. And I think it's funny because I see Oklahoma City Thunder and then I see the Dodgers. And it's like, are the Dodgers moving to Oklahoma City? Is there going to, or this is a California-based developer. So he just might be like, I need a, I need like another sports, sports team. <laughs> yeah. God, I want this thing to be built so bad. It, it looks ridiculous uh also you're gonna need a lot more like uh rental u-hauls in order to blow this thing up yeah that's true it's very true the future proofing it mm-hmm. also it's a, apparently gonna have a 480 room hyatt hotel along with 134 story apartment tower uh, nice all right from a different article which i'm not gonna reference because i already exited out of it and i don't know where i got it from so back to the article we were reading uh at 1,750 feet high, the tower, if fully built, would be close to the second, close second to the country's tallest building. At 1,776 feet, uh, the One World Trade Center in New York City. The timing of this ex- expansion decision, less than a week after Tuesday's vote to build the new arena, is no coincidence. We need them to build this. Imagine, imagine New York. Hey, New York. Imagine if they build it twenty-seven feet taller and it's seven one thousand seven hundred seventy-seven feet, and it's like, hey, New York, you don't have the tallest building in the U.S. anymore. You got to start building more skyscrapers. They hate New York. Oklahoma City overtook exactly. you for the or tallest. Chicago, <laughs> Oklahoma City overtook you for the second tallest. It's just like we're Los Angeles. Hey, Oklahoma City's got all you guys beat. You know. We need another tall building craze, especially because this is a giant apartment building. Mm-hmm. It's not offices. On like, also, can we just talk about how the Sears Tower is the tallest building in the U.S., not the Bourne World Trade Center, because spires don't count? Because the Sears Tower building height is like ten feet taller than the One World Trade Center building height. 
they just added a shitload of Spire to the One World Trade Center. Also expanding his plans for the remainder <laughs> of the development, including a Hyatt Dream Hotel that's going up from 350 rooms to 480 rooms. New Arena cited in decision to expand development plans for the first time since planning started two years ago, uh, preparing to file full renderings and floor plans in a zoning application later this month. Madison's development experience dates back to 40 years with projects including the residences at Little Nell in Aspen, Colorado, the Icon Hotel in Houston, the Sapphire Tower condominiums in San Diego and Miami, a 5,000-acre master plan in Tuscany, Italy, that included a hotel, villas, a winery, and a culinary school. Other experiences play into Masterson's bet on Oklahoma City. The Sapphire Tower in San Diego uh, started with the market indicating sales of $600 per square foot. Madison said the price for his condos hit $1,200 per square foot. In Aspen, the prices were $2,200 a foot. We reached $7,000 a foot. It's all about the experience and the lifestyle to give your guests and owners and renters live, work, play. The timeline isn't yet set for the final tower, which would be the second phase in development. In the first phase, consists of two parking garages, a hotel, two condo towers. It's scheduled to begin in 2024 and includes a record-high $200 million tax increment financing to be paid after the first two apartment towers are built. I'm looking at the rendering of this, and it's everything I want. It's just it, it the looks, of a suburb. It looks ridiculous. It, uh, again, it's like the Citadel from Half-Life 2. It's okay, incredible. It, 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 Get Google Maps open. We need to go look at like South Bricktown in Oklahoma City right now. Okay, it's RC typing fast. Yeah, we Maps. like this is just. I, I I know nothing about Oklahoma. I've never been to Oklahoma well, City. It's slightly larger than Kansas City, I think. Is it? I think so. Like they're very similar population wise. So they got a new stadium. I assume it's down here somewhere. Uh, I know downtown Oklahoma City. Yeah, uh, South Bricktown. Yeah, so you just go to like, oh, in the, that like empty field, perhaps. Okay. Bricktown. Do 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 do. Okay. Yeah, it's just going in. Looks like a just next to the ballpark. Cool. Cool. How come Oklahoma City gets all the cool things? Like, how come Kansas City, we can't just have some... Wait, we have a lot of rich people in Kansas City. Why doesn't some developer just build, like, a 600-story building in downtown KC? Come on. Where's your civic pride, everyone? I don't know. I I feel like Kansas City should not be comparing itself to Oklahoma City. Well, we need some civic pride. Come on. Yeah, look look at that. Yeah, going on Google Street View, this does not look like the place that... It it, it looks like Wichita. The tallest building in the United States should be. It it looks like Wichita. Look, if you're paying for a building, unless it's like some weird, I don't want to beat One World Trade Center because of 9-11 or something, unless that's the reason, I don't know why, if you're building a building this tall in Oklahoma City, you wouldn't just go for the record. You know, make it a clean, like, 1,800 feet tall. It's, It's... I, it, it leads me to believe it's some 9-11 thing where, you know, the like we kind of like the Washington Monument, how no buildings in D.C. can be taller than that for, like, respect to Washington. Okay, how, how does Oklahoma City metro area have a million-person population? And a ton of people live there. I, 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 they have a basketball team. We don't. I, I mean, we have an NBA and an MLB team, but they have a basketball team I, that's actually decent, apparently. They had James Harden for years. No, that's Houston. I, they had some players for years. 
I just, I am, I, have I been sleeping on Oklahoma City? I think so. Because I always just like, I knew, I know of Tulsa, but Tulsa is like smaller. I think that they've just been losing the marketing war for the past like 20 years because all anyone thinks about is like New York has enough going for it that people think of things other than 9-11 like immediately. Like mm-hmm. they might think of Broadway or something, but Oklahoma City, everybody immediately just thinks of the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah. I, I think if 9-11 was called like the New York like airplane attack like something with new york in the Mm -hmm. name it would be a lot worse for them marketing wise this is just from a marketing perspective so if like the oklahoma city bombing was called like the like the federal building bombing or something i think they'd do better because everybody wouldn't immediately associate that but they just people look past them because it's just like ah, it's that town where the bombing was and they can't name anything else about it you know i went to a waffle house there one time or i hopped there one time in oklahoma city yes Right, right across the street from the bombing memorial. Oh, that was the only thing we did there. We just stopped to IHOP and then left. Wasn't an explosive trip. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't think of a better joke. No, it was pretty. Uh, yeah. Anyways, Madison said his company investors started looking at expanding the project earlier this year as they saw an increased likelihood in the city voting to build a new arena. The most likely spot for the $900 million arena, the former Cox Convention Center, is one block west of the development. The new arena is conditioned on the Thunder signing a 25-year lease that would keep the team in Oklahoma City past 2050. The agreement requires the arena to be open for the 2028 to 2029 season. Quote, we started to think about the OKC Thunder and spending a billion dollars, and we're going to have a billion dollars going into our design. We're going to have two big projects going on within two blocks of each other. Option A is we build what we've already approved for, but option B is with all these things going on downtown entertainment district, let's see what we can do, end quote. Expanded plans do not include additional tax increment financing for the city. There's a picture of the boardwalk at Bricktown that we just looked at, and the caption for the picture says, The boardwalk at Bricktown is set to be built on service parking west and north of the U-Haul building in lower Bricktown. So it's not going on the empty field. It's going on a parking lot, which I guess is just about as good, but it is going to have a ton of parking garages with it, so I'm guessing it has to be unit-by-unit replacement at a minimum. So then continuing on, the boardwalk at Bricktown is partnership between Madison and Randy Hogan, who developed Lower Bricktown and has control over the service parking lots owned by the Oklahoma City Urban Renewal Authority, which is a great organization, I'm sure. Hogan called the plan for the third tower, which will be built last, and its height ultimately determined by market demand and financing, quote, aspirational, end quote. Quote, a wise man once said, you don't know what you don't know, Hogan said. I believe the ultimate height of the second phase luxury tower will be determined by the market demand of those units and the success of the first phase, which is an absolutely beautiful design and program, end quote. Despite the project's expanding scope, no further tax increment financing is anticipated in Madison or Urban Renewal Director Kinton Sudel. Quote, there is no additional money. The deal is done. Sudel said, it's capped at $200 million and it's pay as you go. There will be no TIF changes. This is just them dreaming and planning. They want to do a statement piece, end quote. This sounds a whole lot, actually, uh, kind of like the um, what the Royals are doing. Just kind of like tossing ideas out there and be like, here's what we would like to do, but we don't have anything. Like, like they have a site selected. They know they're building these shorter towers, but the gigantic fuck-off one is basically just a trying to do exactly what it's accomplished which is getting us talking about it on a podcast you yeah. know and bringing more 
eyes to the project than what other and, and eyes to Oklahoma City. Yeah, considering that I while you were talking, I was looking on Zillow on my phone because I'm just like, wait, Oklahoma City has to be like three dollars and like some pocket change to live in, and it's apparently not. No, dude, it says Oklahoma City Dodgers, by the way. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to pull that, unless that's the minor league team's name. Yeah, it's the minor, minor league team's okay, name. Right. Okay. Oof. Affiliate of the Dodgers. But yeah, it's it's actually more expensive than you thought. Yeah. Like, it, it, it looked like what Kansas City looked like price-wise of, like, basically pre-pandemic. I think they're just the less densified Kansas City. That's not saying a lot. I mean, it's just like they have the sprawl, they have the people, but they just don't really have a functioning downtown the same way we do. Functioning downtown is... The same way we do. I mean, we we have like some downtown amenities. We have some tall buildings. You know, a lot Mm. of people live downtown. Whereas their city, if you look at it, just from me spitballing, it looks a lot more just spread kind of like a dallas which is more spread out mm. even though dallas has a better functioning downtown than kansas city does uh like i my first reaction when we went to the google street view is just, it just looked like wichita it just looks like wichita yeah but even then like i know wichita is a lot smaller but i think wichita has more density than oklahoma city just like off a rough assumption we're just talking out of our ass here. Well, Wichita does have the tallest building in Kansas. I mean, they, they do have a decent amount of density once you get to the actual downtown area. Like, you look at this, and it's like, well, these are, like, pretty close together, you know, like, olden time era. But basically, they don't have, like, the same parking uh, zoning requirements as Kansas City does, where they actually have buildings next to one another. Like, there's not a lot of them, but there are some older buildings next to one another which is just my requirement for density uh and that's entirely only in like the downtown area but you look at that and it's like there's I, some parking but yeah i mean w- w- the, wichita is one of those places where it's just like i have like the only fun i've had down there is like hanging out with like you yeah uh i haven't like really everything else to do down there like wait. the most eventful thing is leaving wait does oklahoma city have a streetcar do they have a streetcar i see rail in the i could oh my god they have a streetcar when did they get a streetcar since when do they have a streetcar it, 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 it's the exact same model as kansas city's i think it looks like hell? yeah yeah it's one of those like siemens deals no that we have a calf urbos three i don't think um oh. eh, it might be a all right, we need to we need to look this up. We're we're doing research Since live. When, wait, but it's not Pantograph Electric. If you look at that, there's no there's no catenary and there's no third rail. I think it's a diesel streetcar. What in God's name? Since when? Damn, Oklahoma City! What, look at these buildings. What the hell? Wait, what? This looks like downtown Minneapolis. Why also, also a good city, by the way. I like Minneapolis. Yeah, that- Minneapolis is cool. Since when does Oklahoma City have a streetcar, and why aren't they building the gigantic fuck-off building in the actual downtown? I thought that was downtown. Like, Tulsa has held my grasp in my mind as, like, the premier, like, Oklahoma City just because they have the half-sized World Trade Center. Yeah, you're just just obsessed with that. Uh, Yeah, I I think I've talked about this on here before, right? Yeah, I I guess you could mention it again if you want. Yeah, I mean, like, it basically... 
the BOK tower is a uh, they just took the same architect and the base he wanted like a World Trade Center but like one tower half the height and that's what they, so if you, you can basically see kind of what uh, the World Trade Center looked like in Tulsa, Oklahoma Okay, so their streetcar is from 2018 so ours is older and it's Brookville Liberty streetcars which are... Um, is it a private company? Yeah, it's, it's actually American. It's made in Pennsylvania. Hmm. Brookville Equipment Corporation. Uh, the Brookville Locomotive Company. Oh, what, what, What's their network looking like? Is there a network map? Also, it appears that they are catenary for at least a portion of... I, I think they're battery and pantograph. It, is, is it hybrid? I think that's what it says. I, I, think, I think it's hybrid. Oh. Which is weird, and their daily what's their daily ridership? Lower than ours, I think. Is it? Yeah, ours is like ten thousand. Okay, I, it it I, my, my entire world's shocked that Oklahoma City has has this. Is this just the Oklahoma City episode? We had a lot more planned, but we're like we, we, thirty minutes in, and this just keeps getting deeper. Streetcar systems in the United States. Um, oh, this is just all of them here. Light rail in the United States. Uh, oh, that's just all of them. List of Transits. United States light rail systems by ridership. Let's see. Annual ri- uh, daily boardings. Yeah, so they've got like, oh, shoot. Casey Streetcar, 4,205. Uh, wait, where's, I'm not seeing Oklahoma City, which is not a good sign. Uh, wait, Oklahoma City isn't on this Wikipedia map. You wait, you go back to the, that other Wikipedia page. No, the Wikipedia page with the actual Oklahoma like network. Back, go back again. They're uh, they're close in daily ridership. Yes, yeah, and their system is uh, twice as long as ours. Ours is only about two miles. It's getting extended to be about like five or six. Theirs is five I, miles. Okay, already. okay. Like maybe it's because we live in Kansas City, but I feel like people like know way more about the Kansas City streetcar than they know. Like I didn't know about the Oklahoma streetcar. Is it is it on Google Maps with the transit map? I don't think so. Google has this weird thing where they and I've I've been looking at this. I didn't know Oklahoma City had one, so I guess this will play into it. Where I think Portland or Seattle's streetcar is on the transit layer, but like any other one is not. And like like Philadelphia's streetcar is on the transit layer, but again, Kansas City's is not. Oklahoma City's is not. It's just like why why are we being selective? Like, I guess ours is less legitimate. No, no. Uh, the reason why everybody talks about ours, though, um, specifically, is you go to average daily boardings divided by the amount of miles, mm-hmm. and our system hits way above its weight in that because we have about 2,000 daily writings per mile, which means we're beating Minneapolis, we're beating San Diego, we're beating Houston, Tucson, Buffalo, Tampa, Portland, Phoenix, Los Angeles, Seattle, Sacramento, Denver. Basically, we're beating every single streetcar system in the U.S. except for San Francisco, Boston, and the Link in Seattle per daily mile. So, uh, so looking up on on my phone, the transit map it goes from Midtown Oklahoma City around downtown in a big loop, and then it goes by the uh, what looks like the the Paycom Center, which is probably Oklahoma City Thunder's current stadium, yeah, goes sure. by their train station, which looks real lame, and uh, then goes into Bricktown. Yeah. 
Which say what you will about their train station. It's getting extended to Wichita, so it'll be better. But yeah, it just basically is the uh, right now the um, Dallas Express, Fort Worth Express, because that's all you can get to from there. Whereas from us, at the very least, you can get to Chicago, where you can get to other places. But you'd have to go from like Dallas to Houston to Chicago, which is not very ideal. But Damn, uh, Oklahoma City. I'm sure, like, there's just a bunch of cities that I don't think about that are just hitting way but Like, I'm I'm sure, like, Columbus is also really cool. I c- cannot think of one thing in Columbus other than, like, what, they have a hockey team. Do they? Columbus, Ohio? Yeah, Columbus, Ohio has a hockey team. I don't know. I, I, I know nothing about hockey, dude. I know Vegas has one. I mean, it, it's just, like... Like Detroit, right? Mm -hmm. I think, and I think a lot of this, for me personally, is based off of the Google Transit layer. Yeah. Because I I base a lot of assumptions off of that. Because you zoom in on like a Chicago or a New York and you see this really robust system, right? Or a Philadelphia or a Seattle. And it's like, okay, yeah, here's this big system. And I, I maybe people do this for Kansas City too, but I, I zoom in on Detroit, right? And oh, they have nothing because it's car, right? It's the car capital of the country mm-hmm. at one point. But then you click on it, it's like, wait, no, they actually have like a really robust. It's like the People Mover or something, the Q line. They they actually have like a pretty robust light rail network. It just doesn't show up on Google Maps at all, except for when you're doing like a route from a place to a place. Mm-hmm. But if you don't do that, you just see. Uh, the little blue dots, which are both light rail, heavy rail, Amtrak, and bus stops. Because, like, if you zoom in on Kansas City, it's just like, oh, here's the blue dots, like, everywhere. Because we have, like, oh, maybe not everywhere. Or maybe that is just rail. Either way, I just assume it's, like, buses or something. Normally the show. Anyways. All right, do we want to do the other stuff that we were planning, or do we just want to, like... Well, uh, we're on rail right now, so we can just do a hard segue to this one if you want. I think this one, which, if we do one, we'll tell you what they are. This one wouldn't probably take that long, because it's just kind of a little anecdote. And we can make this a longer one to uh, satisfy the people, because we haven't actually released in three weeks. Yeah. All right. Uh, welcome to a extended cut of the Cleocast. Yeah. Yeah, all right. We're going to go as long as we used to go before we decided to just do like 30-minute episodes. Yeah. So, uh, I guess we're doing this one you have on the screen now? Sure, because it should be real sweet and simple. Cool. Uh, This is uh, back to Kansas City after having Oklahoma City talk, even though Oklahoma City is now really fascinating. I cannot stop thinking about Oklahoma City. I meant to drive there years ago when I was still living in Wichita. I was just going to drive there and like spend like a weekend trip there, but I never did, and I'm kind of regretting it now because it was apparently cool. You, you, You can still do weekend trips. Yeah. At the, actually, you you are in a better like life state and financial state in order to do a weekend trip. You would think that, but I have less weekends open now than when I was like poor, or poorer. I'm still poor, <laughs> but I have less weekends open now. Well, it, just d- tell your fiance to like I don't know, stop planning things. Well, yeah. All right. Well, back to this article. <laughs> <laughs> um. This is from the Kansas City Star, pivoting back to Kansas City. Uh, actually, the suburbs of Kansas City to Johnson County. Johnson County might buy this $6 million hotel to convert it into long-needed homeless shelters. Um, this is by Sarah Ritter. Um, I swear I recognize that name from somewhere. We are go- currently Googling you, Sarah Ritter. I hope you are ready. I swear. I 
No, you can keep reading. Okay. Update. Johnson County commissioners on December 14th voted 5-2 to two approving a real estate contract beginning the process of purchasing a hotel. The county will now evaluate property to take uh, other steps over a 270-day period before finalizing the move. Officials also plan to select an owner to operate the shelter in early 2024. Johnson County is considering spending $6 million in federal COVID-19 relief funding to purchase an Alexa hotel to be converted into a permanent homeless shelter. It'll be a major step forward to meet the growing need of Kansas's most affluent and populous county after years of debates and inaction. Next week, the Johnson County Board of Commissioners is expected to consider purchasing Lenexa property, which they did from the update, um, at 9461 and 9471 Lenexa Drive, the site of a shuttered restaurant and La Quinta Inn and Suites off of Interstate 35. Yes, This site would be purchased with $6 million in federal coronavirus state and local Fiscal recovery funds established by the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. Another $500,000 in federal uh, funding would go toward other work related to the sale during the 270-day period, including the county negotiating a buyout of the hotel franchise fees, obtaining the private appraisal, and conducting a title review. The county is proposing a year-round homeless shelter with about 50 private rooms and support services to help residents work toward permanent housing. Officials are also putting out a request for proposals to select an owner and operator to take over the facility and manage the shelter. Uh, it's a long time in the making, Johnson County Chairman Mike Kelly told The Star. It's still a ways from fruition, but a real sign of intent to do the right by the most vulnerable in our community, and that's the goal that we set out. A goal that has been championed by constituent groups and groups of faith in Johnson County for a long time, and it's important. This is like I think one of the most surprising articles I've read in a couple of years. That, that, that they're just going to buy a hotel in the middle of Johnson what, County. Just that Johnson County is doing this. Yeah, I, I just it's like, good. No, I know it's good. I'm just like I. It, it's baffling to me that like they're they're actually doing something that I can just say is like yeah, it's good, and it's not just like something stupid. Also, uh. Slight pivot, but is related. Uh, shout out Restart. It's a charity in Kansas City. Uh, they uh, help their housing first uh, homeless charity that get people, you know, housing so they can start getting closer to getting on their feet. Um, they currently run in the Kansas City area. They'd be a potentially good option for this. I'm sure they know about it already. Uh, I went to your trunk retreat back in October. Uh, that was both depressing, but also uh, really good to be able to help out those kids. All right, back to the article. Back to the article. I just, I just, I just think. Like Johnson County, I just think of them as like the most suburby suburb to ever suburb because yeah. half of it's like J.C. Nichols properties and stuff, which we'll have to do like an article on later or something. But uh, just seeing them actually like here, we're going to invest a sizable amount of money into a program for like homeless people. And it's just like, wow, I didn't know Johnson County was capable of doing that. And I just assumed they would cut the bus service again or something stupid like that. And the whole location of it I saw, which they might get into. I'm not actually going to talk about because I think they probably get into because I think I read it from this article. <laughs> County officials for months have uh, discussed using uh, one-time federal relief dollars to establish homeless shelters. Officials said in county documents that would be too costly to build a new facility and other office complexes and warehouse spaces reviewed were either too large or too expensive to renovate. Converting a hotel into non-congregate shelter would be the most economical and practical solution. However, not any hotel is ideal for conversion officials, adding the 106-room Lenexa Hotel is the right size for the county's needs, allowing some expansion if needed. 
This property is centrally located and sits along major transportation routes, including several bus lines, close to jobs and other services, while also being nestled in a private nook off a frontage road, offering a bit of distance from the property from the nearest neighbors. Kelly said if the sales approved, there's still much work to do, including a deciding funding model for operating and maintaining a shelter once it opens. Last December, commissioners also approved using nearly $4 million in federal dollars for establishing and developing a shelter, plus costs of renovations needed to comply with the standards of the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, which administers the American Rescue Plan grant funds. Open quote, we are both diligent and we will be diligent with this as it hopefully moves forward to fruition, Kelly said. It's been a goal for Johnson County for a long time, and I'm glad we're delivering on the message we're receiving from the people of Johnson County. There is an image of the La Quinta uh, off the highway. La Quinta. La Quinta? La Quinta. La Quinta. We stay there all the time. Not at that hotel. We just stay at La Quinta's all the time. Oh. We're a Polly and Express family. Yeah. Yeah. I think La Quinta's the bougier one anyway, so I can't really give you shit. A growing need. Advocates and faith leaders for years have pushed for an establishment of a permanent shelter in the county. Opposition from neighbors and strict zoning laws have made it difficult for groups to operate a temporary winter shelter, let alone move forward with operating one year-round. While unhoused families have few options for shelter in Johnson County, only a handful of beds are available for single women, and no permanent shelter exists for single men. The county and city leaders have shown a stronger desire to address the need in the past couple of years. Some cities have changed their laws to allow and regulate homeless shelters. And last fall, Johnson County Board of Commissioners allocated 660k of federal COVID relief funding towards studying the feasibility of opening a shelter. Olathe Pastor Lee Jost, executive director of a nonprofit, and Circle and Lenexa Councilman Joe Carlin, who owns a consulting firm, have led the feasibility study and would presented early plans for a project to commissioners this past spring, which includes a shelter with as many as 50 beds with adults expected to stay 90 days on average. Joe said he wants to provide access to several resources, both on and off site, including food, transportation, workforce development, housing assistance, case management, and other health services, including dental and behavioral health. Plans for such shelter have uh, come and gone over the years, often bringing neighborhood opposition. Meanwhile, Johnson County's homeless population continues to grow. So uh, one thing about this location um, is it's by a shopping mall, uh, which gives a lot of opportunities for employment. Uh, although Shopping mall is also the transit hub yeah. for the two bus lines. <laughs> it, although low in wages... Um, if the homeless shelter is able to keep people for 90 days and they're able to get employment relatively quickly, uh, that gives you uh, three months of wages to be able to save up if the homeless shelter is free. And right. that might be enough to be able to uh, move you to a uh, apartment. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I think, as I've been reading articles about this type of subject, is um, if you... <laughs> You're paying $57,000 to house people, 104 people. There's 104 rooms. Mm-hmm. If you were to just pay rent for like 300 people in the area, you would save money. Like you could get more people housing if you paid a year rent for them in just like the regular housing. And then you could house more people. Like, yes. It'd be a net savings. But 
I think the idea of this is with the 90 days, um, it can be a rotating shelter in which you can hopefully, with the services, be able to get someone in three months, employment, health, health care, and uh, other social services in order to be able to eventually move out and at least stand on their own or at least have resources to go to. And then that bed opens up for someone else to then pop in for another 90 day period. I just, I based this off of, I read an article a couple days ago that I'll try to find if I can just about a program, which is one of many in, I think California or somewhere. I can't remember exactly where it was, where they just gave a couple hundred homeless people $750 a month for a year, just flat. That's Mm -hmm. it. And I think 55% of them were no longer homeless by the end of the pilot program just by giving them checks every month for money. And then they were able to, hey, I have $750 flat every month I don't need to worry about. So I can either help that pay for half my rent, help that pay for food, or basically just gave them a floor to work with Mm -hmm. versus just putting them in a homeless shelter where it's not money, but, you know, at least you don't have to worry about housing, you know. But with the $750, they could spend it on whatever they needed to, you know? I I just, I I read that program and it's like, you know, you could do a similar pilot program, which is proven to be effective for most of the people getting them out of homelessness, rather than just putting them in a revolving homeless shelter. We're here, you're here for a few days. If you get a job, that's great, whatever. But it's like, they still can't afford food or anything necessarily. They're still completely reliant on like all that kind of stuff, and they still need... Like, I, I just see this as being helpful, but I also look at rents in the area around Johnson County. It's like, you could definitely get a studio apartment for, like, probably $1,000 a month, and that would be net housing more people for a year than this would, and you'd mm-hmm. still have money to continue the program for a couple of years. I think $1,000 is a little bit low these days. For a studio? For a I got a two-bedroom in the area for 1200 so... Hmm. You could definitely probably do it. It might be low these days, but that was like last year. I got a 1200 It was two years ago that you signed that lease. Oh, God, that was two years ago. Either way, yeah. it was in Prairie Village. So it wasn't exactly like, you know, the boonies. Yeah. But, um, which is why I shit on Prairie Village a lot. Uh, but, yeah. And that, yeah. That's, that's just my thing of just a, I don't know, maybe a... I, I don't think it's like a libertarian approach, but just maybe a more non-traditional approach of, hey, sometimes giving people just checks works too like that no a libertarian approach is just kind of leaving them the fend for the wolves it, it's yeah. more of a uh it's definitely not libertarian I, ju- I just i look at the numbers involved in this and i look at the amount of people it's going to house and i do like a little bit of like kind of like napkin math and it's just like i feel like you could just take that six million dollars and just pay for apartments for all these people and be able to house more people Rather than just 104 beds, which seems pitiful for the amount of homeless people we have in the area. Yeah, but also this is coming from federal funds. And I don't think that HUD would be happy if Johnson County was like, fuck it, we're going to pay rent for Well, I'm a not bunch sure of- they wouldn't be happy. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what I, the stipulation I, on the funds are. I, think I also don't know. I think I'm, that's the issue is, is it just earmarked to assist homeless people? I, I, just, I just don't want it like good to get in the benefit of, or like, great to get in the benefit of good or whatever it's that good be the enemy of or that perfect be the enemy of good yeah and i mean i mean this is good um it is good no i'm, I'm not uh yeah it's, it's a net good yeah I think. helping people is good according to last year's point in time count one night snapshot tally of homeless population conducted by agencies across the 
country and locally. For the number of people experienced homelessness jumped 11% from the year before and 40% from 2014. That is a 40% in 10 years? Jeez. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty not good. We're like, I guess, I guess if you go from like a thousand to like 1400, that's 40%, right? So I guess without the actual number, 40% does seem like a lot. But 40% of anything is a lot. Yeah, it's not great. In 10 years, that's a lot. That is a failure somewhere along the line. This is likely partially due to the count being lower during the COVID-19 pandemic, but it's in line with a steady increase over several years. That is concerning. One night in January 2023, reports showed 253 people in Johnson County were in living in emergency shelters. 235. 235. Yeah. Did I say 100? You said 253. I said 200. Oh, yeah, okay. I just want to make sure you get the right number. 235 people in Johnson County were living in emergency shelters, transitional housing, and tents. Cars are on the streets. That's up from 130 people in 2017 and 180 people in 2020. Which I guess is lower than I assumed, but also how many of those people go to Jackson County because Johnson County is hostile towards homeless people, to say the least. Or you go to Douglas County, Douglas where you, County. where you that's a bit further of a walk. Yeah, unless you have a car. Yeah, I guess that's fair enough. I guess I do just assume that they don't have cars, but they probably have cars and they probably have cell phones because yeah, you can't live in this area without that. So if you lose the house, you got to keep the car at least. Mm-hmm. Years of contention. Local nonprofit Project 1 or 1020 has been running temporary shelter out of churches during the winter since 2015, but has only been able to house a small fraction of people in Johnson County who need it. City regulations have made it difficult to offer temporary shelter to keep operating over the years. In 2019, Shining Mission Unitarian Universalist Church sued the city of Lenexa for denying its request to shelter the homeless that winter. Out of the legal battle, both sides came to a three-year agreement allowing the church to shelter up to 30 adults each night from December through March. See, that's much more the Johnson County I know. Banning a church from housing homeless people? Yeah. There you go. That's Johnson County I know. And and, and now you're able to only have 30 people for the winter Yeah. Uh, from okay. December. So if it gets cold in November or October, even though climate change is working to make that no longer a thing, but if it does get cold those months your kind county says go fuck yourself yeah or if you want to ride the bus this uh this holiday season you know christmas you want to ride the bus to get to your family's house fuck you you can't we don't run it joko transit baby let's go i three bus lines and we're going to run them as little as possible to get the numbers down so you have to take uber light micro transit mm-hmm we should have done that article. Reading this now, we should have put on deck that article about how uh, microtransit space gets just a scam that I read the other day and I did not send you. We need to do an episode about that. Okay, r- write it down on the list. I'll, I'll, I'll remember it. I'll remember it. Okay. Because I'll send it to the podcast account. D- okay, we're, look, we're almost an hour in. This episode is quickly devolving. We got, yeah, we're, we're just, we need to finish. This article is long. Holy shit. Yeah, it's an All actual right. article. Uh, most Johnson County cities do not have written rules stating when or where homeless shelters need to be permissible, leading to heated neighborhood debates. Following the lawsuit, Lenox began exploring adding homeless shelter regulations to its city code. Now the city law allows the shelter to operate each winter indefinitely as long as it meets regulations. Shawnee 
County also approved regulations for a homeless shelter that year. Lenexa requires that homeless shelter be located more than 250 feet from residential properties and even further from schools. All right. Yeah, let's just alienate how the does, most. How does it? I know the idea is that it doesn't work because Lenex is primarily residential, but like just ban homeless shelters. Like if, if you're going to go to that length, just fucking ban well, it. Well, because if you say, well, we're allowing it, it looks good. But then if you read it and it's just like, well, I, I, I know a lot of churches that are very close to schools and homes. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's just my point is just like just fucking have the balls to come out and say we're banning homeless shelters because we think homeless people are icky. Just do it. Don't do the like. No, we're gonna like do whatever. Just fucking ban it. Come on, if that like if that's what you want to do, state your beliefs. Don't hide it. I mean, it's just like I don't know why. I mean, like effectively, you have to build a homeless shelter in where they're building it, and that's pretty mm-hmm. much the only space you can build it. Or you have to buy out Oak Park Mall. It's like just completely ridiculous. Just, just the next just, requires homeless should be located more than 250 feet from from schools. The site would likely require a special use permit to operate as a shelter. The county's progress on the issue comes as Kelly and other commissioners have made it a goal to tackle affordable housing shortages. Yes, county leaders have been working to attract incentive to incentivize the development of more affordable housing, something that leaders say is really, is really lacking for working families as home prices surge. Commissioners will consider approving the real estate contract, which they did, um, beginning the process of purchasing the hotel from the site of MAA Coupa Lenexa LLC and as it's meeting on December 14th. And that was from Sarah Ritter from uh, KC Star. Thank you, Sarah Thank Ritter, you, Sarah. KC Star. Um, as usual, these will all be linked below. But I just, I, that there's just some things, it just irks me because Johnson County refuses to run adequate bus service at a minimum. Like they don't have any bus service in the southern areas and like Olathe and stuff, which it's very obvious. It's like, I mean, they say, well, nobody rides it, so why would we? And it's just like, okay, nobody rides it because it's not a comprehensive bus network. It's you run two lines to say that you have buses and then that's it. Nobody can get anywhere. I mean, who? Who the hell is going to take a bus from, like, the Overland Park Farmer's Market to the next city center and then wait 45 minutes at a minimum for the next bus to come if it comes at all? Like, that's not a comprehensive functional system. That doesn't work. And then the affordable housing stuff. I can tell you why you have an affordable housing shortage. It's because you don't build any fucking houses. You don't build any apartment complexes. I mean, Prairie Village is losing its goddamn mind. By the way, this is our uh, 54 minutes in, so I'm just swearing now. Mm -hmm. They're losing their goddamn mind over rezoning to allow one extra apartment complex to supplement their one apartment complex. It's like, yeah, no wonder there's an affordable housing shortage because there's just a housing shortage. There's not enough houses. Also, Prairie Village is going to run out of money because their property taxes are too low that they can't actually finance their own city. We can't raise taxes on property. We can't expend the sprawl anymore. We can't extend any more sprawl because we're Prairie Village and we're swallowed up by, you know, like Lenox and Alderman Park and Olathe. So we can't build any new single family houses and the single family house owners that live there don't want more property taxes and don't want more apartment complexes. So what are we going to do? 45% of our budget is property taxes. It's not increasing every year. It's increasing by like 4% maybe, but also we want home values to increase, you know, perpetually, but we also want to, uh, you know, continue to fund our own police department for Prairie village for some reason. It's like a city of like 5,000 people. It's got its own fucking police force. I have preached this idea; it'll never happen. But I feel like um, 
Johnson County should do what Wyandotte County did, become like just a unified government. Yeah, they really should. I mean, I think Overland Park and Olathe are large enough to kind of combat that. But I mean, Lenexa is just the Oak Park Mall County. That that's it's just Oak Park Mall City. Yeah, or city. Yeah, and Prairie Village is just the J.C. Nichols, you know, racial segregation holdovers. Where they're just a tiny community, and it's like, why are you still independent? Hey, there's still people who probably bought their houses when J.C. Nichols was still alive living there. Okay, you know what? You know what I saw? The, I'm going to get the actual address of this. If you all don't know who J.C. Nichols is, we, we're going to have to do an episode on him at some point. All right, write that down as well. Right, that, that one's just a given. But I swear, I was driving on 95th Street the other day, and you scroll over, and it's like, oh, 95th, right next to I-69. Look, it's Oak Park, J.C. Nichols Co., it, it's a freaking J.C. Nichols development right here next to 95th and uh, I-69 Highway. It's on Blue, Jack, Blue Jacket Street. It's, it's not like, It's not I. It's just 69 Highway. It's not interstate. I, know, I, was, I, I figured our listeners wouldn't know. I realized as soon as I said that, no, it's just 69. Well, I, but, I, I noticed. <laughs> it's okay. But it's just like, oh, you guys are proudly still saying we're a J.C. Nichols community. It's just like, okay, if, if you guys don't know, we're going to do an episode on this later, but basically uh, racial discrimination in neighborhoods, he pioneered that. The racial covenants basically just banning you from selling your house to a black person so that the neighborhood can remain white. And it uh, was that way in a lot of communities in Kansas City until like 1968. And even then it was still, uh, even then Prairie Village still exists, so just put it that way. Mm-hmm. So, And he also built the plaza. Yeah, he did do the plaza. That's right. Ugh. Anyways, I look. All right, it, we're it, dude, we need to we need to eat dinner. We probably need to eat dinner. All right. Uh, this has been another episode of the Cleocast. I've been Matt, and I have been RC. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Cleo History. You can email us at CleoHistoryPodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, we are available where you get podcasts, uh, likes, and uh, shares. Really help us in the algorithm stuff. That's awesome. Um, thank you. Sorry we didn't put out an episode in two weeks. All right. I'm not. You know what? We can take a break if we want to. All right. Bye. Bye.